Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hi, this is Ibby Owens, and you're listening to the award-winning podcast, Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. I'm also the host of Moms Don't Have Time to Lose Weight, and I'm the editor of the anthology, which you should run out and buy, called Moms Don't Have Time to, a quarantine anthology. All proceeds of that book go to COVID-19 vaccine research. And I'm the editor-in-chief of Moms Don't Have Time to Write, a new publication on Medium, and we're accepting submissions, so please send your personal essays there. And if all that isn't enough, you can follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens, and my website is zibbyowens.com. Okay, now back to this amazing podcast. Special announcement. I am teaming up with Katie Couric Media's Wake Up Call and Random House to give away 100 copies of the book Stranger Care by Sarah Santillis. I'm really excited about this. Here's a little about Sarah's book, and we collectively are giving away 100 copies. After their decision not to have a biological child, Sarah Santillis and her husband, Eric, decide to adopt via the foster care system. Despite knowing that the system's goal is the child's reunification with the birth family, Sarah opens their home to a flurry of social workers who question them, evaluate them, and ultimately prepare them to welcome a child into their lives, even if it means most likely having to give the child back. Stranger Care is an illuminating read, and Sarah will be on this podcast soon. So, If you would like to enter for a chance to win, please go to the link in the episode description from right where you clicked on it and enter your email address, first and last name. By doing so, you're agreeing to the sweepstakes official rules and agree to receive communications and special offers from Katie Couric's Wake Up Call and Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Thank you for doing it and enter to win today. Just go back to the episode description. Thanks again. Kate Lebo is the author of The Book of Difficult Fruit. She's also the author of cookbook Pie School and the poetry chapbook Seven Prayers to Kathy McMorris Rogers, and co-editor with Samuel Legan of Pie and Whiskey, Writers Under the Influence of Butter and Booze. Her essay about listening through hearing loss, The Loud Proof Room, originally published in New England Review, was anthologized in Best American Essays 2015. She lives in Spokane, Washington, where she's an apprenticed cheesemaker to Laura Lee Misterly, or Meisterly of Quillisas Cut Farm. Welcome, Kate. Thanks so much for coming on Mom's Do- 
don't have time to read books. <laughs> Can't even say the name of the podcast today. <laughs> Thanks so much for having me. Oh my gosh. Okay. Can you please tell listeners about Difficult Fruit and the book about Difficult Fruit and your whole story and how it became a book and sure. all the good stuff? Well, I guess like the quick version of what this book is, is that it's a collection of essays that go from A to Z. So Aronia, Blackberry, Cherry, and then Yuzu and Zucchini to finish this out. And what I try to do in this book is use stories about fruit to try to understand these uh, these personal stories where nurturing and harm get all tangled up. So I got really interested in the relationship between food and medicine, the ways that we kind of use metaphors and magical thinking to figure out what will heal us and what to eat. But that got woven into this book. It has, in addition to the essays, each essay concludes with two recipes. So generally it's one you can eat and one that's for cosme- a cosmetic or garden or medicinal application though. I don't stick to that rule because I couldn't find <laughs> something <laughs> for every single fruit that, that fit that rule. So I bent my Nobody noticed. Nobody noticed. It was fine. <laughs> don't tell them that. I won't tell right? them. <laughs> oh my gosh. So I really love the section on vanilla, but I feel like how is that really even like a fruit, you know? It is a fruit. Right. So, so part of the, the journey of writing this book for me was first discovering how many things are fruits that I don't think about as fruits. Like a wheat berry is a fruit, a vanilla pod, a vanilla bean, we call it a bean, but it yeah. is a fruit. It's one of the only fruits of uh, edible fruits in the orchid family. Wow. It's also the most expensive fruit to produce in the entire world. That must be it's why I like it. <laughs> Right, which makes sense for something that's so like delicious and precious and and all that. By the way, totally with you on like the Bath and Body Works. Okay. <laughs> I literally, in fact, I was in LA recently and yeah. we went into this mall and I was like, oh, you know, someone gave me a gift of this like amazing vanilla lotion from Bath and Body Works, but I'm not exactly sure what the bottle is. Like, let's go in. And so I went in the store and I was like overwhelmed by this like right. flood of scents and all the bot. And I was like. Okay, I turned right out. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it's kind of, it makes you dumb. You walk in there and you're completely overwhelmed yeah. by the sound, the sight, and yeah. then the sense, of course, that go right into you and kind of knock you out. But it was such a funny experience researching that piece. So I'm, I'm writing about vanilla and I'm writing about this particular type of vanilla bean fragrance that was probably fake and was introduced to me by Bath and Body Works when I was a teenager, yeah. <laughs> as, as it was to you probably. And trying to recapture that scent, which just doesn't really exist anymore. And it, it was it was a couple of months before we went into lockdown for the pandemic. So it was my very, very last time in a mall for the last like year and a half. But it was so weird going in there because once you kind of get past the overwhelming sense explosion, you're just watching complete strangers pick things up, uncap them, put them in their faces and smell them and then <laughs> hand them to their friends who are doing the same thing. And everybody's smelling everything in the store. It's all up in their faces. And I was like, what other store would this be allowed and appropriate in? I mean, much less totally. not questioned in any way. Yeah. So. I mean- let alone like digging your fingers in and like scooping it, the trials and like, oh my gosh, the testers and the makeup store with the lipsticks and I don't know, all that. I'm like, they must not be doing that anymore. Right. I mean, oh, nope. I wonder. But, I haven't been out yet to, to find out. But. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so tell me about like writing each chapter. So some of the ones, how did you find all the different, all the, like, how did you decide from each letter on which one you were going to do? 
Sure. You know, it, it, often it depended on kind of if I had a personal connection to it already, which sometimes actually made it even harder to write about. If I knew something about the fruit that I, you know, found really compelling, for example, with wheat, I learned that wheat dust, the dust that's made by milling flour, which I use to make pie, that dust, which I don't use to make pie, we don't eat the dust, is more explosive than gunpowder. And that fact was, you know, phenomenal, but also suggested all sorts of ways I could use it metaphorically. So that's why wheat made it into the chapter. And then I had to figure out how it was a fruit, right? Lucky for me. But then didn't your partner have like a gluten intolerance or something? Yeah. Or am I making this up, right? No, that's, that's, that's in that chapter. So I, yeah, the, the fact about wheat dust being explosive led me to think about the inc- incompatibility ultimately between me and an ex-partner where I was really, I was learning how to express myself through flower. It was a really important practice for me as we were figuring out that a bunch of his health problems were probably related to wheat among other things. So it just became this intractable conflict that, you know, neither of us wanted to have, of course. And in, within in the book, the way I, I talk about, that's that becomes another way to talk about kind of over-nurturing, the, the kind of codependent or, or just like reactive nurturing that I was engaging in at the time, maybe because of my girl training, maybe because <laughs> of thinking that, you know, this was the way to love someone was to, you know, nurture them until the relationship drives ends, you know, <laughs> the relationship overbalances and can't, can't withstand the nurturing. Yeah. So that's, that's an example. Other examples like cherry, for example, people probably wouldn't think that that's a difficult fruit. They're so, they're present everywhere. They're sweet. They're easy to eat. But as I did more research, I came to understand that within the cherry kernel, which is within the pit is amygdalin which has been used as a quack cure for cancer. It doesn't work, but it also is cyanide. So it creates a almond flavoring that's delicious, but it also creates cyanide. Now, it's, it's a amount that if you have, you know, one and you're an adult, your body can process that where the gut's made to break down small amounts of toxins like that. But over time, and if you have a lot of this, it will hurt you. And that just seemed like a really stunning combination of qualities to have in what I thought was a really sweet and approachable fruit. So again, the opportunities to get to talk about, I guess, other situations. And and the, and the maraschino cherries, which you wrote about, right. And how they're like so prevalent and they're like so fake. And, you know, now you give your own version of making your own maraschino cherries. I was like, oh, that sounds like fun. (laughs) Delicious and sweet and also drowned in a kind of toxin, AKA liquor. Yeah. So, you know, there's a lot of this, I engage in a lot of kind of um, relativity and how I'm thinking about what nurtures and what harms and what heals and what, and what is nutritious in this book. So did writing the book, how would you put that for yourself on the healing to harmful meter? Oh, well, I mean, it's funny. I don't think that I wouldn't think of it as harmful, but it is definitely an amount of exposure that I had to live in denial about as I was writing the book. And that does feel very weird to have the book out in the world now and have to really, you know, face the fact that other people are reading it and (laughs) have opinions about it and know all sorts of things about me that I, you know, kind of just pretended like I had to pretend as I was writing that this was a private conversation I was having with myself or with, you know, an unknown person or with the reader. So I think 
I feel like you though, like instead of like there, I really love this like form of sort of memoir with recipes as a, as a format. I like love getting the little bonus gift at the end of a chapter. And like, I don't know. So I've read like multiple books of this sort of type, not that this is like, anyway, no, this is a type. This is a type and, and I'm playing with that type. That okay. Is totally sorry. Fine. Just, you know, yes. not to <laughs> diminish the form because I happen to like love the form, but I do feel like your own experience was almost hard to find. Like you had to paw through the recipes. Like it wasn't like you started every chapter with like, this was what was going on in my life or whatever. And then you had a recipe at the end, like some fruits, you barely talked about yourself at all. And then others, you had like a whole thing and it felt like a jewel, you know what I mean? like, oh, look at this. Now I get a whole paragraph about like this relationship or something. <laughs> like, you know? So I feel like, I don't know, maybe at times you were like withholding or there wasn't as much personal anecdote to share about certain topics or whatever. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Sometimes we all have stuff we need to get off our chests. Even if we don't think it's interfering with our daily life, there are some things you just haven't processed, be it grief or trauma, eating disorders, anything. It might be time to work on those things, and I have a solution for you. Therapy. Online therapy by BetterHelp. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. I took the brief questionnaire online where there were, I don't know, 20 questions. It didn't take long at all, maybe three minutes. And then I got matched with a therapist who could help me work on whatever. I picked trauma because even though it happened in 2001, I am somehow still not over the loss of my friend on 9-11. And it is what it is. BetterHelp is going to help and I am so excited, especially because with my special code, instead of $80 a month, it is 10% off, $72 a month, which is so much less than traditional therapy, and you'll get a perfect therapist for you. There are 35,000 therapists to choose from, so you'll find the right one. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash moms don't have time today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P com slash moms don't have time. Sometimes, but sometimes it, really what I'm thinking about within a whole book is a balance and a weave between the personal and the, the research that I was able to do. Because I guess what I hoped was that information about fruit, the research that I was, I was doing about fruit would make my own story bigger. 
than just my own story. And it would help me kind of set it within this larger context about food and medicine. And I don't know the ways that we like identify food out in our neighborhood or in the wild. But then also that just so much about food is so personal. It would have felt false to me to present this information without also presenting myself and my idiosyncrasies and biases and, and blind spots and obsessions and all that. So that's, that's yeah, kind of, uh, that was my hope anyway for the weave of those two characteristics. Nice. Yeah. Accomplished. <laughs> So how much do you cook now? Like, tell me about your cooking. How much of these fruits now do you include when maybe you wouldn't have before? Or have you like scrapped the whole difficult fruit? And now you're on to like really challenging vegetables or something. Well, you know, I, I had a baby seven months ago. Oh, so congratulations. Everything. And you're right. I don't have time to read. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> about a half hour a day. <laughs> precious, precious time with my book. And what I found actually is it's not so much the difficult fruits that I can't interact with as much anymore because of the attention that they take. I mean, my attention is on is on my kid. And, and what I have attention for are these kind of like 15 minute little segments of food preparation. So it turns out that doesn't work very well for like jam making. <laughs> Because things, you know, it, it boils, it's molten, it's going to spit and scald everything. And then if you turn away for a second, it, it's ruined, right? So I've stopped, I've stopped making jam, but ferments are easy. Ferments, you, you know, chop them up, prepare and put some salt on them and then just forget about them for a while. So it's more that, yeah, since, since publishing the book and having the baby, my ability to pay attention has changed so much <laughs> that what I can cook is different and I try to incorporate these difficult fruits, but yeah, some of them are not going to happen. Like that's okay. uh, trying to make persipan, for example, that's that paste made out of the kernels of stone fruits. There's no way that's going to happen for the next couple of years. I would say for most people, that was never going to happen. So you're <laughs> one up on pretty much everyone in the world. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Like the goals are pretty lofty. <laughs> You have to have a certain, I mean, you have to have a certain enjoyment or you have to enjoy repetitive tasks, I think, to do some of, to, to deal with some of these fruits. And that's why we don't see a lot of these fruits or some of these recipes in, you know, our, our usual marketplaces or our usual cookbooks is often uh, when we go to the grocery store, we are just encountering fruit that is able to get there over long distances mm -hmm. and that we are able to consume easily. You know, yep. that there's a market for it. There's not so much a market for fruit whose nickname is, you know, chokeberry, because that's the thing it does to you when you eat it. Yeah. <laughs> you we, need, have, we need some uh, rebranding there on the chokeberry. Right. Yeah. Or, or, or more consumers with a, a taste for challenging things. And there will always be those people. They just probably won't be most of us. Maybe there needs to be some sort of more like extreme eating ex like on all these cooking shows you know maybe it has to be like shifted into like you know the x games of of food you know like you know what i mean like super duper like make it edgy and like i don't know <laughs> well and i wonder about the the things that you do have to do to prepare some of these what i'm you know difficult fruits are not particularly photogenic they take a long time there's not you know a climax there's not even a plot you're just sitting there you yeah, know, okay. smashing things or or separating you know one part of the fruit from the other part of the fruit quietly and maybe you're doing it with a friend or maybe you're staring off into space but i love those moments personally and that's that's the appeal of these recipes and the other appeal to me i guess is to to i'm used to encountering recipes 
that try to take care of my need to make dinner on a Tuesday, which I'm very grateful for. And I need to do every Tuesday, right? And Wednesday and Thursday and all that. But there's so many other ways to cook and so many other food forms that we don't often encounter because they don't offer themselves easily to us or because we can't source what's in them easily or because they just, they just, you know, happen over a period of five years, right? I think about making umeboshi, for example, the pickled plum that is so delicious and part of Japanese cuisine. I mean, to really make great umeboshi, it takes five years. Imagine that. That's so different than a recipe for corn chowder. Yeah, (laughs) it's true. My (laughs) husband's cousin, Robbie, owns this restaurant, owns two restaurants in New Jersey, but he let us go downstairs. One of them is called Viaggio. And we, he took us down where they, you know, they like cure these meats for years, right? Like they hang them up and like, I'm not described. I don't know exactly what's going on, but all I know is we were downstairs and like flanks were like, and like, they weren't going to be ready for years and like dry age this. And I'm like, what? And then someone's going to eat them in like three seconds. All of that time. And all of that is part of that flavor. And we sense the the specialness of that flavor, but we don't necessarily know what it's what it's coming from. And that is part of the magic of it, actually, is having all of that stripped away and we just get the delicious meat and we don't have to know exactly where it came from. But for those of us that want to know and want to think about, you know, yeah, all those years and all those years hanging lonely in the yeah. dark. Next time you're <laughs> in New Jersey, I'll, I'll hook it up. You can go down and visit the, uh... <laughs> That'd be awesome. That'd be fun. so what, so you're not going to, I was going to say, what are you doing next? But I don't want to like put any pressure on you. If you have a baby and you're like struggling <laughs> to make corn chowder, I'm not. <laughs> I'm getting childcare next. Holy cow. That's going to happen. Next month, it's going to change everything or at least change a little thing. Yeah. And I, I'm actually, I'm working with the Washington Center for Cultural Traditions right now, gathering food waste stories in my area of Spokane, Washington. So that is happening right now. And what's next? That's really cool. Yeah. Wow. I love the unique way that you think, you know, it's just like, I just, it's very cool. Like a little (laughs) bit off the beaten path, but very awesome. It's like, it's really cool. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, I will think of that when I'm debating what to make that doesn't take a lot of attention and think, oh, well, you know, I mean, Kate Lebo is like fermenting stuff and like I'm microwaving oatmeal. So <laughs> I'm microwaving yams. Okay. I'm so much stuff right now. Okay. The only thing that's like keeping us alive is my dad's lasagna. Yum. And, and the microwave. Okay. And peanut butter. I felt like you would not be in favor of the microwave. I don't know why. Oh, I go. No, no, no. Microwave is fine. Like whatever it takes to feed yourself well. I don't, you know, care what the the tool is or what the shortcut is, you know. Okay. Thank you. For the lay people, I feel better. (laughs) We're just sitting here feeling guilty while we eat our sad salad, you know. It's true. I wonder with this whole rise of, you know, people's complete lack of attention and the seven second attention span, what foods we'll be eating in like 30 years, right? If we don't have right now, like the idea of some of these obscure fruits and their preparation seems overwhelming, but maybe in a, maybe by the time my kids are grandparents, the idea of even the slow cooker or whatever would be like, forget it. Why would we do that? So everything will come in just a plastic sleeve and you just push your food up from the bottom. Yeah. Sounds great. Like an astronaut or something. Both, both extremes. There'll be, you know, needing food in seven seconds. And then the people who like miss the connection to their food and miss the, all the social aspects of food that takes a while to prepare and get really deep down into it. 
That's true. It'll be. I mean, I feel like we see that every every generation. People, you know, rediscovering or see, thinking that they are discovering, you know, these these more connected, older ways of of cooking. So that's true. This is my, I guess, the book of difficult fruit catalogs my own discoveries of more kind of folk way style methods of cooking. But it's not like I discovered any of them. I'm just <laughs> looking for them, and some of them are in plain sight, and some of them are in books, and some of them. You know, I gotta find people to teach me, and some of them I'll never know. Awesome. <laughs> so, having released this whole project into into the world, and I loved your advice that you like trick yourself that nobody's <laughs> gonna ever read it. What other tips and tricks and advice would you have for aspiring authors? Or aspiring sure. Well, I I think I mean in this age of social media, one of the most important things is to figure out a way to protect your inner life. Mm. That that the constant you know deluge of information from people we love and people we don't love and and everyone in between all that is a conversation that I think makes it can make it really hard to write and and whatever it looks like for each individual person for them to be able to go into a room figure out how to shut that off shut all that chatter off or tell the chatter to wait anyway like it'll be outside the room when you're done writing I think is really important and really challenging yeah so but you're that's right. the only thing that allows me to write so, yeah. Awesome. How do you stop the chatter of a seven-month-old baby? You can, Well, you can't. Unless you... <laughs> what trick did I miss there? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's it's been really cool to be, get to spend so much time with him that isn't about words. You know, I guess as a writer, so much of my worth and so much of the way I think about, you know, what I'm going to be doing with this day has to do with how do I understand something and how do I write it down? And, and when I'm hanging out with Sai, it's, we're just, it's so much of, it's just physical. It's like, let's go look at a flower and let's go feel the flower and let's just kind of sit here and, and play and cuddle. And I don't really have words for it. And again, there's like, there's no plot. There's no conflict. It's just this beautiful kind of animal physical time. So I'm enjoying that while it lasts. I know. At some point, he's going to be like, get out, mom. But right now, I'm pretty cool. <laughs> awesome. Well, Kate, thank you so much. Thanks for chatting with me on the podcast and entertaining me with your book and all of it. So thank you. Thank you so much, Zibby. All right. Take care. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Also sign up for my newsletter at ZibbyOwens.com and sign up for my virtual book club and meet lots of authors on Zoom every other week. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.